Well, we have come to a point in the book of Mark, haven't we? We have come to the point of the book in Mark where it stops. And Mark stops abruptly. And you may have in your Bibles a little parenthesis that says a certain part of these verses in Mark were not included in the earliest manuscripts. Some of you have 9 through the end of the chapter. Others of you have Bibles that stop at verse 8. Nonetheless, Mark is an interesting conclusion of his gospel. But he does end it in a good place. He ends it on this day, on a day in which Jesus has indeed broken death and conquered sin and is alive. So wherever Mark actually ends, it ends in glory. It ends with a risen Savior. And it ends with people being in awe of who He is and what He has done. So with that in mind, let us rise as we read God's Word together, as we conclude the Gospel of Mark, and we read verses 1-8 to from chapter 16 in this wonderful Gospel that I hope that many of us have come to appreciate and to love. Hear the reading of God's Word. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The reading of God's Word. Let's pray. Lord, may we stand in amazement as well. May we stand in amazement as we see and as we look into an empty tomb. May we stand in amazement as we consider and behold the fact that You have indeed conquered sin and death and You are alive. And Lord, because You are alive, I pray that You would send the living Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to this place to mold us and to shape us with the truth of the resurrection on this day. Lord Jesus, we give You praise for You are worthy of all glory, all honor, for You indeed have risen. Amen. You may be seated. Early on a Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene, the mother of Mary, the mother of James and Salome, made their way to a tomb to anoint the dead body of Jesus. The gospel writer Mark tells us that these women had watched the crucifixion from afar. We don't know why exactly it is afar, if they couldn't, if they didn't have access or they were afraid or wherever it may be, but they were some of the few that actually stood and watched the tragedy that took place on Friday afternoon. They were the ones that saw the nails being pounded into the flesh and bone of Jesus Christ. They were the ones that saw him being lifted up as the soldiers took this beam and hung him on this tree. They were the ones that saw and heard his, voice, heard his voice as he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These were the ones that saw him breathe his last and cry out, it is finished. These were the ones that saw him being taken down. These were the ones that saw him being brought to a rich man's tomb. These were the ones that saw him being placed in that tomb. These were the ones that saw this very large stone being turned over and placed in front of this tomb. And these were the ones that saw Roman centurions stand guard over this man's grave. They watched from a distance. Maybe that's your favorite perspective on death as well. Most of us do like to keep death at an arm's length, don't we? We don't like to deal with that. And we talked a little bit about that on Friday night. We, we try to stay healthy. We try to work out. We watch what we eat, except for on Easter Sunday. We're careful, so careful, aren't we? It's a way, perhaps, of, of keeping death over there, right? I don't want death to come, so I'm going to do all these things to, to keep it at arm's length. I don't want it. I don't want it in my life. I don't want to deal with it. It's at a distance. But occasionally, death catches up to us. It catches up to someone that you know, or perhaps even love, like these women. And then you have to go, and you have to see death up close. The grief of these women must have been overwhelming. They had been with Jesus on this road, if you recall. They've been with Him in Galilee. Do you remember when Jesus was in Galilee? Do you remember as we walked through the book of Mark and we read these stories where Jesus was, was all about restoration, where He was about life, where He was about healing. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. He healed the lepers. He fed the hungry. And He embraced the children. And He embraced those who were on the outside, the aliens, the outcasts. And here these women saw this Jesus in Galilee like this, healing, loving, caring, constantly restoring and healing the lives of other people. Before Mary Magdalene met Jesus, her soul had been tormented by demons. This man was her Savior. This man took those demons away from her. This man was all she had. This man was her hope. This man was everything to her. And here now she walks early on a Sunday morning towards His grave. But then as they walked down the road toward the tomb, someone perhaps may have mentioned to them, the world has always been hard on our saviors, hasn't it? We put our hopes and our dreams in things and in people and eventually they let us down and death comes to all of us. Or perhaps, maybe, like most people in deep grief, Maybe they said nothing at all to one another. They just quietly walked in the early morning hours, perhaps in the darkness. And they began to close the distance. Death was no longer far away or or in the distance, but it became step by step closer and closer and closer. Their only dilemma was this. Who's going to roll the stone away? Mark did tell us they talked about that. They wondered along the way who was going to roll the stone because it was a really big stone. 
And I wonder how many times that we walk along our roads wondering who's going to roll the stone away. We've been pushing against a stone or something like a stone for some time, many of us. Maybe perhaps this Easter finds you pushing against a stone of a wearying job. One that doesn't satisfy for a boss who is a tyrant, perhaps. Maybe you are pushing against a stone that is in a marriage that seemed destined to failure. Or maybe you're pushing against disease or depression. Loneliness. Regret. Guilt or shame. Or some obstacle that is between you and perhaps maybe even your dreams. You think that if we can just get this one stone removed from our lives, then everything is going to be okay. If I can just remove this one obstacle, then everything is going to be alright in my life. But as the story goes, even if you get rid of the stone, all that's waiting on the other side is death. And this is what this women, these women expected. It's one of the strange ironies of life, isn't it, that even Jesus, while He was in Galilee, talked about these very things. When we work so hard to save our lives, we were actually doing the opposite. We're doing little more than anointing the dead with spices to cover up the stench of a decaying body. Even if we use up all of our life pursuing our very utmost dreams we have still only closed the distance between us and death. And as Jesus kept trying to explain to these women and to the disciples and to the people that would listen, those who try to save their lives will actually lose them. Eventually, you will lose your job. Every wonderful thing in life comes to an end. And yes, this may perhaps right now sound like a really depressing thing, but it's true. This is the reality of our lives, isn't it? We know that. No one's ever come into my office wondering about their faith in the time of death or crisis. It's in that moment when our faith is peaked. But then that's why we push so hard because we don't want to deal with crisis or death or struggle. We want to get in as much life as possible in our short time that we have. We want to get so much out of our jobs, our relationships, our health before they go away. So this Easter morning, let us remember that this is not just some ancient story told in some ancient book, but we are walking the road with these women and we are struggling with the same things that these women are struggling with. I have these hurts, I have these doubts, I have these pains, and The person I thought was supposed to to deliver me is in a tomb and all I can do is wonder who is going to roll the stone away. Who is going to take care of my problems now? Who is going to push away the stone? So the question then, it seems to me, is what are you expecting to find at the tomb on this Easter morning? When you come into this place today, what do you expect to find as you made your way to the tomb this morning. When the women arrived at the tomb, they were startled to see what they didn't expect. Then Mark's account of the events tells us that they saw something, someone, and nothing. What did they see? 
the first thing they saw was God's work. The first thing that Mark tells us that they saw was that the stone had been rolled away. This is what Mark is continually telling us if we we read these verses closely. They saw this and they saw that and they saw this other thing. And now the first thing that they actually see and what the Lord wants us to see is that the stone has been rolled away. These women fully expected to have to push against the stone. But when they arrived, it was pushed away much to their surprise. That was not supposed to happen. That was unexpected. For as much as they heard Jesus say that He will be beaten, He will be betrayed, He will be mocked, and He will die, and He will rise again on the third day, they still did not expect Him to actually rise from the dead. They fully expected to come and anoint His body with the spices. The reality of resurrection never really settled into them. It never really took effect. You see, because dead people normally don't come back to life, do they? They were expecting to anoint a decaying body of their friend, of their Savior. And yet, someone had rolled the stone away. Now let's take just a moment to consider something, if you will. Maybe a very obvious observation. Did the stone have to be rolled away for Jesus to be raised from the dead? Of course not. For as we know in other accounts, in other Gospel accounts, Jesus, the resurrected body of Jesus could walk in and out of walls and he did not have the, 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 the hindrance of things like wood or stone. The stone did not have to be rolled away for Jesus to exit the tomb. It just didn't. So why was it rolled away? The stone was rolled away in order that the women would be able to see. That they would be able to see into the empty tomb for themselves. But more than that, it was to show the women that this was an act of the Lord Himself. For the Roman guards, they wouldn't have rolled the stone away, for they would have been fired at at, at best, murdered at worst, for not remaining on their post. Thieves could not have gotten past the Roman guards. The Roman guards were too good. The the, the thieves would not be able to snatch them and, and roll the stone away. The friends of Jesus had all scattered, if you remember. The disciples were in their rooms or houses or wherever they were, terrified. They weren't going to come anywhere near the, the tomb because the Roman guards would seize them and they would say, face the same fate that Jesus did just a couple days ago. There was no one. But here the women walked towards the tomb. They risked their lives. So the only way this stone was rolled away is if the Lord had rolled it away. Something outside of normal human experience or existence had to take place. This is God's work at hand that rolled the stone away. This was the work of the Lord. The Lord peels back the stone in order that these women and we could peer into this empty tomb. The Lord then draws us into a place. A place where the body was laid. A place where these women saw this body be placed. They saw the, to- the, tomb, the stone rolled over the tomb. And now here they enter into the tomb fully expecting to find the body of Jesus. And He wasn't there. You see, the enemies of the Lord had rolled the stone stone in front of the tomb to seal in the crucified one. But on this glorious day, the Lord has defeated the enemy in every possible way. The stone was rolled away not only for the women to peer in, 
but that all of us might see. That all of us might see that the stone is rolled away. That all of us might see that the enemy has no power on any level over the Lord or over Jesus or even over this crucified Jesus. The stone now rolled is to show us this morning that our Lord has indeed accomplished all that we need and want and desire. Friends, this morning as we push against whatever these things are in our lives, may we see the stone has already been pushed away. But that we also might see that it is only Jesus who accomplishes what we truly desire. It's not our jobs. It's not our marriages. It's, it's, it's not our goals or our desires or our dreams that really ultimately fulfill us. But it's the Jesus, the risen Savior. The one who was crucified and now is alive. He is the one that obtains our righteousness. He is the one that gives us all that we need. Because in His power, He gives us access to Himself. And He gives us justification. Why? Because He's risen. And He's risen indeed. The second thing that these women saw was God's truth. But the terror of the women was evident as well. They walk into this tomb and they see something else. They see something terrifying. As I've already said, they fully expected to walk into this tomb and see a body. But they saw another body. Didn't they? They saw a man sitting on the slab where the body of Jesus was laid. He was sitting on the right side. And he was sitting on the right side of the slab in, in a white garment. And Mark tells us that they were alarmed. This is one of those things in Scripture that fascinates me and makes me chuckle just a little bit. There are certain things in Scripture that we just have to say, well, you think? Right? So you're fully expecting to walk into a tomb and see a, a body, but here you see an angel dressed in white sitting there calmly and you would be alarmed too. I have not run across many angels in my life, I don't think. But if I were to walk into a tomb and I were to see an angel, I would be alarmed as well, at best. So the reaction that the women had is natural, isn't it? Oh my goodness, what is going on? First, the stone, this heavy stone is rolled away. And when we enter the tomb and Jesus isn't here, and then there's this angel sitting on the slab. And they were alarmed. These things don't normally happen after all. It's also fascinating to me to see the almost parallel interaction between this account and the account of Jesus' birth. Do you remember? Do you remember when Jesus' birth was proclaimed and there were shepherds, just common, ordinary, everyday shepherds, doing what shepherds do, tending their flocks at night? They're being shepherds. And then all of a sudden, there's a, there's a choir of, of angels that begin to proclaim the birth of Jesus to them. And they were afraid. And you remember what the angels said to them? Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy. The Savior of sinners is born to you on this day. And here, as the women walk into this tomb, and they are afraid. And do you remember what the angel says to them? Do not be afraid. The one who was crucified, he's not here. There is no reason for alarm, for there is good news this day. Jesus has been born. He has, he has lived His perfect life. He has been holy and righteous 
and He has died, and He is now not here. This is good news. Do not be afraid. Rejoice. Go and tell. Do not be afraid. For there is good news on this day. In this moment, the women saw God's truth. They saw the reality of what Jesus had been proclaiming them for many years. That He would suffer. And He would die. And He would rise again. Here and now, the angel affirms these very things to them. But he also affirms the reality of who Jesus was and who He is. There's a stark contrast here that the angel tells these women. He says, you are seeking Jesus who was crucified. This is who Jesus was. This is the reality. These women from a distance saw this very truth. They saw the truth of a man being horrifically murdered on a cross in a violent and a grotesque way. They saw the truth of this man being placed in the tomb. And now they see the truth of something else also. They see the truth that Jesus isn't in the tomb. He is no longer dead. He is no longer crucified. He is not here. And He is in Galilee. They stood by and watched this truth. But now the truth of who Jesus is is currently as much of the truth as His crucifixion. The truth of His resurrection is every bit as much true as His death for these women and for us. He's not in the tomb. See where they laid Him, the angel said to these women. In a world where truth is often a relative term, my truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. And you just have to be okay with my truth and I have to be okay with your truth. Isn't that what we live and breathe nearly every single day? But truth is not necessarily relative, is it? True truth is what the women were staring at the tomb. For the true truth is that Jesus was crucified. He was dead. But now He's not here. He is risen. They had to wrestle with this truth. They had to wrestle with the truth of this experience. And this too is what we must wrestle with this morning. What do we do with this historical global fact? What do we do with this historical global fact of a real man named Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified on a Friday afternoon? What do we do with the fact that the same Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified is the same man now, not in the tomb? He is not where they laid Him, but He is risen. We must wrestle with that, and what do we do with that? That's the question that every person must answer. And that's the question that every Christian must heed and acknowledge. There's an argument to be made that this is just an, another nice story to ease our fears. To give us a, a false hope, right? This is what the world would tell us. A placebo, if you will, to help us feel better about ourselves. However, the truth of this story is in the details of what Mark does provide for us. If it is a made-up story and someone wanted to concoct a story in the first century, one would not do it in this manner. You see, for in that day, three women as eyewitnesses would not hold up in court. They were not valid witnesses. Therefore, if Mark were to say these women saw it, they recognized it, the court would not recognize what they say because they were women. 
So if Mark wanted a, a cold, hard fact to hold up in court, he would not have chosen this way to do it. But here the Lord reserves this special moment, this glorious day, the most glorious day ever. He holds a special place for these women to be the first to see this event, to see this truth. Because it doesn't make any sense for the world to do it this way, but the Lord uses these wonderful women to be the first to see and to experience the Lord's truth. But then in another detail that Mark provides us is about a man sitting there in the tomb. Let's just say you were going to write the story again, that you were charged with writing a story, to come up with a story, a placebo, a nice fairy tale. And you were going to describe a guy who was brutally beaten and crucified and who was placed in the tomb. And then he rose again from the dead. The story would be significant enough just to be able to say this guy conquered death and conquered sin and now he's alive and he goes on and he goes into heaven. That would be a glorious story in and of itself. But then here the Lord provides Mark a bit of detail through his women. No, there's actually more. There's a man sitting there. Sitting there on the slab. On the right hand side. Why give those details to prove the point? And in other Gospel accounts, we're told that the, the way that the linen cloths that, that surrounded Jesus in His death burial cloths were neatly folded on the edge of the slab. Why give those details? Because they're important details to help us understand that this is an actual event that takes place to give us more and more details about what actually happens. These are historical markers, if you will, that we could use throughout the history of time to enforce the argument. And here in God's Word, the foundation of the truth is found in these historical markings, this reality. But the question still remains after that bit of parentheses. What do we do with this truth? Mark is very clear with what we are to do. We are to tell. We are to tell others of this truth. For this is what He told these women. Go and tell the disciples. Go and tell them what you have seen. Go and tell them the work that the Lord has done. Go and tell them the truth of what you have seen and experienced. This is what you are to do. But then many of you, and even myself, are, are hearing these words, and the, the, the first question that comes into our mind is, okay, how? I, I don't know how to do that. I think Mark's, Mark gives us the answer to that question. And that's in the final thing that the women see. For they see God's grace. They've seen God's work. They've seen God's truth. And now, they see God's grace. The angel directs their gaze to a physical place. To an actual place. The angel doesn't say to them, imagine some place. He doesn't say to them, quiet your hearts and quiet your thoughts. Find some place of Zen. Light some candles. Get some incense and find a quiet place and figure out if it's true or not. No, he draws them in and he says, look at this actual place. Look at this place where you know, you saw he was placed and now see that he is not there. He draws them into this tomb. He does not direct them to empty their mind. 
He directs them to fill their mind with God's work and God's truth. He directs them to the slab. He directs them to an empty tomb. A tomb where there is no body. For He is risen and He is not here. The women, as they walked along the path and even as they entered the tomb, are fixated and consumed by death, aren't they? For death is a tragic and horrible thing. And this is true in our lives as well. As we started out, the living are consumed with dying or pushing dying away. We're consumed with pushing away the pain and the agony, and I get that. But on this day, on this day, the dead is consumed with living. The one who was crucified, the one who was dead, is consumed by life. The one who was buried is now alive. Nothing could stop him from living, not even death itself. I've had the honor to officiate many funerals, perhaps at this point, more than I can even account. It's a joy, a blessing, and yet even a trial. At each funeral service I have been a part of, I'm able to look over the crowd, and I'm able to see family members, perhaps a spouse or a brother or a sister. Each time, without fail, the tears flow very quickly. In that moment, it's imperative that I know what to say. It would not be wise for me to entertain trivial thoughts about lilies or plastic bunnies or chocolate bunnies and say spring is coming. That wouldn't help. So that's not what today is about either, is it? Rather, Christ has been raised from the dead. As all die in Adam, so will all be made alive in Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the risen Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Paul's letter to Corinth in chapter 15. Two things happen to people at funerals when the pastors use those words. The first thing that happens is that they're reminded of a joyful hope for the future beyond their comprehension. Secondly, if they are paying attention and you are paying attention here today, they start to wonder about life that they are living right now. You cannot stare at a casket and you cannot stare at an empty tomb and not ask yourself some ultimate questions. We wonder if it really makes sense to push so hard against the things of life. Does it make sense to to push away the things that stress us? You wonder if we're missing the point because death always comes too soon. What if in that moment, and what if in this moment here now, we would wrestle with the truth of the resurrection? That in Christ, we too are raised to life in Him. Death did not hold Jesus, and death does not hold us. And there is no more fear in death, and there is no more sting. What if this morning we wrestle with that same truth? If we wrestle with God's work, with God's truth, and with God's grace, what if that's what we take away from this morning? That this morning is a day of hope and joy because the enemy has been defeated. 
And so we don't have to be alarmed. We don't have to run in terror as the women, but we rejoice. We rejoice in the victory of Jesus. We rejoice in the victory of the resurrection. And so now the command rings in our ears to tell. If this is your story, tell that story because of who Jesus is. The command now is even all that much more powerful, isn't it? This then is the command that allows us to tell because we see grace. So this morning, may we see what these women saw. May we see an empty tomb. May we see grace. To see that He is not here. But He is risen. Just as He said. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You that You have conquered sin and You have conquered death. So Lord, I pray that You would move in our hearts and our lives that we would tell this story. But that more importantly, it would be our story. That You would shape us because of this story. And now as we come to Your table, that You would fill us and nurture us because of this story. Because of Your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.